So I'm, I'm trusting this morning that what I'm going to present to the church is from the Holy Spirit. And let's all pray in agreement that that be the case. Father God, we just thank you this morning for your work that you're doing in each one of us. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here right now. Because your word says that where two or three are gathered in your name, that you're here in our midst. And not only that, Lord, you, you entrusted us and filled us with your Holy Spirit because you said you would. And I pray this morning that you bless um, the word and that you would help us to draw closer to you and uh, that we would learn to walk in obedience and to hear your voice and be led accordingly. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Um, you know, last week I was, I uh, preached on the ten virgins and um, you know, that's, a, that's a, a difficult portion of scripture, and there's so many different interpretations of that. And it could be discouraging in some ways when you read that, and you're like, wow, what is this? Man, the door was shut on five of them, and the other five were, you know, let in. And it, it could be discouraging. But I want to say this, you know, I believe our spiritual walk is a mystery at times. It's a balance between two points of tension. We have the absolute unconditional love of God on this end. And then we have the fear of God on this side. And I believe that there's a tension between the two of those points. And to bring a father's example in, we know that, you know, like Jody said, not everybody had the greatest example of fathers. But if we look to the Bible, we'll see that. We'll see what a good father is. And if we're lacking that in our lives, we'll see that in the scriptures. But a good example of a father is somebody who will provide for his family. That will have guidance and wisdom and truth for this family. That his heart's desire is for the best for his children. But also a father that is a good father will bring correction when needs to be. And I think that's one of the points in the Bible. You know, and I was listening to a sermon and uh, the person was talking about hell. And it's a topic that we don't hear a lot about in the church anymore. And it's just like what Heidi shared, where the Baha'i or whoever, or even the seeker-friendly church will say, I, I, I have a hard time believing in hell. How could a loving God create something called hell? But hell is real. And you know, the person who was listening to his sermon on this, he said, Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. More than anybody else in the Bible, he spoke about hell. And I think that what the point of my sermon last week was, um, there were f wise virgins and there was foolish virgins. And the thing that I went into last week was, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we don't have this bumper on this side, and he's so loving, and he's so good, and he's this and this, which he is, but if there's no repercussions for bad behavior, then what, you know, what's the context for it? So we have to put it in a certain context. And when we look at God, we know that he's a loving father. We know that he is holy, and he's just, and he's loving, but he's also holy, and he's righteous. And the reason why we can come into his presence is because of the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. And for us to take that 
in faith in our hearts and say, yes, I need this. I need this. I need this because I realize that I'm not holy. And I need, I, I'm, I'm a broken person and I need what the Lord is offering me. And then when we do receive that, walk in the light of that truth. Walk in the revelation of that truth and be progressing. It says, walk with me. Walk with me is what the Lord wants. So he wants us to progress. He loves us so much that he does not gonna, he's not going to leave us in that condition when he first found us. We're all a work in progress. Amen? You know, the thing that that story is speaking of, and I've really been just pondering it. I've been praying about it, and I'm not going to say that I have a definitive answer to that because it's debatable, and a lot of people question that. But you read that account of the ten virgins, and what did they all have? They all, for well, what was in common in them? It says there was ten, they all fell asleep. Every one of them fell asleep. They all fell asleep, and at a midnight time, an hour of distress, the cry went out, the bridegroom is coming. And they all were shook, shook awake, and they lit their lamps. So they all were sleeping. They all got woken up by the midnight cry. They all lit their lamps. And then there was the bridegroom delayed his coming a little bit longer. And he says that they had, the wise virgins had an extra container of oil on the side. And they, as the lamps of the other ones started to sputter and go out, they're like, give us some of your oil because we don't, our lamps are going out. And they says, no, lest we don't have enough. And the bridegroom come and we're left. They said, go to those who sell and go buy for yourselves. And so that's the part where it's just like, it's really dicey because the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It says back in the Old Testament times when they anointed a king, they would pour oil on their head and it would be a sign of God's presence abiding on that person. And that person is set apart for God's use. It says in the book of um, Mark, I forget what chapter, but it also says in James, if any of us sick, anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith over them. The prayer of faith would heal the sick and God will raise them up. So Holy Spirit, one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is oil. And so some people want to translate that portion of Scripture and say, well, it's those who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak with, with the evidence of tongues. And I go, I don't know if that's accurate. It says that when we got born again, we received the Holy Spirit. Right? But it also says that you guys go buy, you go to those who sell and go buy for yourself. Lest we don't have enough for ourselves. So what we're seeing is a time of distress. We're seeing a time where it's urgent. Where the midnight cry went out and it says, you know, we, don't, we might not have enough oil to sustain. And I thought about this. I heard one of the best ones that I said last week was that when we buy something... Our labor is a measure, our money is a, is a, is a um, uh, representation of our labors. So it says, go buy to those who are selling these things and get for yourself an extra amount. And as they went away, the bridegroom came and the door was shut and they were left outside. And so you wonder yourself, what is that? And so what is this buying and selling? Is it the time that we put in? Not that we can buy the Holy Spirit, but the time and the effort that we put in to abide in the presence of God. 
to abide in the presence of the Word. You know, I was, I was just pondering these things, pondering these lessons and thinking, what is it that causes one to have oil in reserve and the other not to have oil in reserve? You know, there's several scriptures that talk about I believe in even this time in particular, but the word is eternal. So it meant throughout the church age, it says, watch and pray, watch and pray, watch and pray. Jesus, even when he went to the garden, that's what he told his disciples. You guys go over here and watch and pray. And they fell asleep. And he's like, couldn't you watch and pray for one hour, lest you enter into temptation? Would you say that this age right now, there's great temptation. There's great, um, great Avenues or great measure to fall away, whether it be through, you know, it says that because of lawlessness, the love of many would grow cold. Because people aren't abiding by what the Word of God says, that it's just like, whatever then. I guess that's just the way it is. And we can just kind of recess back. That's a temptation, I believe. But it says, watch and pray. We keep our eyes on the Lord and we look to Him and says, Lord, I'm weak right now. I need your strength. I need your strength right now. I need your Holy Spirit. I need the oil of the Holy Spirit to keep this lamp burning in this difficult time. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying right now? You know, this is the time. This is the time right now. You know, and this is, this is in Luke's uh, Gospel, chapter 11, and I want to read this. Luke, chapter 11, verse 9. You know, in James it says, you, ha- you, you have not because you ask not. Sometimes we ask and it says, you, 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 you ask but you don't receive because you're, you're going to consume it on your own lust or it's for the wrong purposes. Huh? But I want to read this scripture in, uh, like I said, Luke 11 verse 9. It says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from, a, from any father amongst you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I think that's part of the challenge is to ask. And especially during difficult times. I find myself a lot of times when I go through difficult times, I shut down. And I'm not as vocal. And you just kind of recess. Men, I think, are more guilty of that than women. They, I think, I don't forget what the percentage is, but women talk a lot more than men. Is it true? Yeah, really? Am I telling you something you don't know? Well, women like to talk. They like to communicate. Where men, you know, they're, they're accused of going into their cave. You know, they just recess back into the cave. Is, is that true, women? Men do that? Yeah. And so, when you go through difficulties, instead of recessing back, but go to God in prayer and say, Lord, I don't understand everything here, but from the past, I know that you're good and you're working all things together for good. And I'm speaking this in faith. And right now I'm asking you, I'm asking you for your Holy Spirit, because you said that if I need 
the help of the Holy Spirit, he's there. He's my comforter. He's my friend. He's my counselor. He's the one who comes alongside. He gives me wisdom. He's going to guide me through whatever it is, whatever trial, whether it's to do with our finances, whether it's to do with our health, whether it's to do with relationships, whether it's to do with anything. Difficult patches of scripture. It says that you are my teacher. Lord, I need your help. And it says that anyone who knocks, it'll be open. Anybody who seeks will find, and if we ask, he'll give it to us. And it takes faith to ask, and particularly in those times. I would say that that's the most difficult times, is to do it under those conditions. Can I get a witness for that? I believe that, you know, I, I believe these things are common to all of us. And we have to rise above that. You know, we're going through a tremendous teaching uh, in the book of Joshua as we're winding it down. We actually got one more chapter I kind of misread. We're just letting this guy teach the study because he's doing such a tremendous job. And, and um, you know, his lesson in that was that in that 23rd chapter of Joshua, Joshua is passing on the knowledge of his spiritual father, Moses. He's passing this on. And it's interesting, if you look in Deuteronomy 28, it's like the same thing. It's the Lord thy God, the Lord thy God, it's the Lord, the Lord thy God. I think it was like 14 times it says that. And Joshua reiterates that in the 23rd chapter of Joshua. And he says, the Lord thy God, the Lord thy God. And the point that he made on that, I don't think I could have found that. You know, in watching this study, he was saying that... He knew, God knew, Moses knew, it was foreordained that they were going to walk for a while, but they were going to veer off course, but the Lord still identified as the Lord their God, the Lord thy God. He made provision for them. He made provision for them. Even if they screwed up, even when we screw up, the Lord is still there for us. Like a good father. Amen? When we screwed up as children, the fa our father didn't say, well, that's it, you're not my kid anymore. Or I hope not. Right? A father disciplines a child. You know, we, we might veer off course, and it says in the 23rd Psalm, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I think those things are a comfort because a sheep, as they're going down the and they're following the shepherd, and all of a sudden a wayward sheep starts trailing off course, he'll get his rod and knock that, you know, just get back on the, on the path with everybody else. Get back in here and get them all together and moving together. So these things, these principles are here in the Word about how, how God leads us and guides us as a good Father. You know, he, he teaches us these things. The Holy Spirit, though, the Holy Spirit, asking for the Holy Spirit that He would not leave us as orphans, but He would always be there for us. For the asking. For the asking in the troubled times, in the hard times, in the times where we're like, where are you at, Lord, that we ask for that, and our lamp is burning in those times. The lamp is still burning. You know, I was listening to somebody say, you know, it's easy to listen to sermons. It's easy to listen to praise and worship music or even participate in praise and worship. But he says, when it comes to prayer, that's really the difficulty right there. The phone rings, there's distractions, your head goes off into another place. But to be diligent and to really set your course and say, I'm going to pray. That takes discipline. It's a discipline that needs to be... Um, you know, just really push through and ask the Lord, Lord, help me with this. Because it seems like it's very important in this hour that our faith fail not. You know, that we pray through 
It says this, you know, the, the, the thing that was burning there was the lamp. They had a lamp and they had the oil in there. And the Holy Spirit, it could be synonymous with the oil that uh, is burning in that. It was reading about oil. They said, yeah, uh, virgin olive oil is made through pressing oil, pressing the olives, pressing them down. It's really weird. You look at an olive and you think, how can you get oil out of an olive? You know, but the virgin oil is just pressed and there's no heat involved. It's just pressed down and a pure golden oil comes out of that. I believe that when we are pressed in our life, when we're put under tension, we're put under stress, that these things are being developed. This oil of the anointing is being released from us. And these things are precious in God's sight. And it's, you know, something that could be burning and it's giving us understanding. It's giving us light in times of darkness. The fuel to go through this. I want to read this in the same uh, chapter of Luke's gospel. It's verse 33. And it says, No one, when he has lit a, uh, lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but the lamp, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as the bright shining lamp that gives you light. So where does this come from? It comes from the Word. It comes from spending time in the Word. It's been uh, spending time in the prayer and looking and beholding the Lord. You know, there's scriptures that says that nobody can behold God and live. You know, in the Old Testament they had. But it also says in the Gospel of uh, John that he says he was like a light that came in the, into the world and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father. That is, we behold him and it says that we're being transformed into his image by beholding him. When we go through things and we might say in our life, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. But then we behold the life of Jesus and says, that wasn't fair. That wasn't fair what they did to him. That wasn't fair what they did to him. He's, he was sinless, and yet he submitted to those things. And he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And he offers us that power through the Holy Spirit to be able to overcome. This is sort of the same uh, scripture, just a little bit of a different way. And this is in Matthew's gospel, verse 22. It says, the lamp of the body is the eye. And if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? This is the measure. This is the, you know, I've said this before, that light travels in a straight line. You know, so light, as we allow the light of the word to enter into us, that it illuminates us as we meditate on it, it illuminates us and it gives us understanding and our conduct is directed when we yield in obedience. And when there's tough times, we said, Holy Spirit, I, I see this, but I don't feel that I have the strength in me to do what you're asking me to do. It says, ask that you would receive. Ask. Anybody who asks, he'll give it to us. So this is where the prayer, that interplay in prayer comes in. When we're going through something we don't understand, I need knowledge, I need, unfor uh, I need wisdom, God. I need strength, I need this. And he says, ask at that time. And God would give it to us. Amen? He wants to. 
He wants to uh, be involved in the process of our lives. He wants us to be transparent with Him. He wants us to be asking and seeking Him on a daily basis. You know, one of the things that the, the first function of the Holy Spirit, when the Lord was leaving, He was telling His disciples that He would not leave them as orphans. He says, I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to leave you on your own. And I've, you know, I preached this before, and I can only imagine how they were feeling at that point, where they were thinking, wow, we've walked with you here these three years, and all of a sudden you're going away. But you're telling us that it's to our advantage that you're going away because you're going to give us the entrusting of the Holy Spirit to come within us. And this is what it says in John's Gospel, chapter 16, 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come to you, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. This is the... You know, the, Jesus clarifying what the Holy Spirit's function was to be. For the first thing that he said was to convict the world of sin. Convict the world of sin. Jesus, as he came in as the light of the world, and it says in John's Gospel, that it says that people hated the light because their deeds were evil, and they pulled away from the light. I don't want to go to the light because I'm, I'm, I'm in the darkness over here, and I want to, don't want to go to the light. And so the first thing the Holy Spirit did is He came into this dark world and He shined. And those who were seeking went towards the light. Those who were hiding pulled back from the light. And He illuminates our heart. He shows us where we're at in this. And yet He's drawing us and He's saying, Come, I forgive you. I love you. I have a place for you. I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. Convict the world of sin. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. There's nobody ever who walked on this planet who did what Jesus did. It says he fulfilled all righteousness. The law, he says, uh, I have not come to destroy the law, but I've come to fulfill the law. He fulfilled it because we couldn't. And then he confers that righteousness upon us by faith. We say, Lord, I need that righteousness because I realize who I am in my flesh. And so he confers his righteousness upon us. And then he brings peace between a holy God and an unholy people. That's the first function it says. Or the second function is convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And things are not going to go on the way that they're going on, the way they're going on right now. These things are coming to a conclusion. The world is increasingly moving in a direction that is apart from God. But God's people, we need to rise up at this time. We need to shine the light of the truth, the light of the gospel, and to pursue our relationship with God, and to be that lamp to be shining in this hour right now. It's, it's sort of, you know, we're talking about this in, in, in our prayer before the service, and um, there's just so many things going on so fast and furious right now, but it's refreshing to see in some places where 
there's a pushback against this darkness. You know, I heard this story about in a school somewhere in the mainland where they had, you know, it's Pride Month, a whole month dedicated to this. And the kids were watching some kind of film on the, in the classroom. And the kid says, why are you guys showing this to us? The kids are saying this to the teachers. Why are you guys showing this to us? We don't want this. And that, that whole month, they said, oh, or whatever. It's probably the end of June in the main. Some schools are still in session. But the kids were like supposed to wear rainbow colors and this and that. And they said, no, we're not doing that. And a, a lot of the kids came to the classes wearing, you know, uh, red, white, and blue. And they said, our pronouns are USA is what it is. And it says, we don't, we're rejecting this. You saw that what happened at the Dodgers Stadium. They had these... Um, these nuns, these drag nuns dra- dressed up and the people said, we don't want this. And this is, we just want to go watch baseball. Why do you got to do this? And at first they canceled them and then they had blowback. So they brought them back in and they had a special ceremony there or a thing before the game. And you looked inside the stadium, there's just a handful of people there. Because people are like, we're tired of this already. We don't want this agenda slammed on us. And there was a major protest outside the, the baseball game of people saying, don't do this, don't do this. So it's sort of refreshing to see that this darkness is encroaching. And in Isaiah says there would be a time of gross darkness, but the Spirit of the Lord would rise upon us and we would stand up and say no. And pray that people would get an understanding and repent. That's what God wants. He says he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but he wants people to repent and turn to him. That's where God wants to be. Amen. Us, he wants us to be participating in that. So we pray for that. We'd be aligned with that. To walk in the truth, to walk in this tension between ultimate love, ultimate righteousness, And to be tracking between those two points of tension. In the Bible study, he got to that. He said, for us, you know, know, one of the things that we might have a tendency to do in our walk is to be overly righteous. And it says, and then there's the ones that's just absolutely lawless and wickedness. And he says, the truth is between those two points of tension. To go between those points. God has a plan. He has a good plan. And He's crafting us and He's working through us and with us to display a people set aside for Him, prepared for good works. You know, the book of Galatians, speaking about walking in the Spirit, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? What does it look like to walk in the Spirit? And by comparison, you know, there's walking in the Spirit and there's walking in in the flesh. You know, there's two things. And this is in Galatians 3. You know, when we got born again, when we got born again, something supernaturally took place. When we called upon the name of the Lord and says, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. So there has to be this reality on this one side. It's not, well, everybody eventually gets accepted. There's, there's a, I think there's a doctrine called universalism where God is not going to destroy anybody in hell for eternity. That it's just for a point. Either it's cessation is that, it's like somebody was saying this, I was listening to a sermon on this, he said it's like a bug that goes to a bug zapper, and it's a pest, and it goes in there, and it gets zap, zap, and then you hear pap, and the thing just falls to the ground, and that bug ceases to exist. That's sensationism. According to some people, God would never judge anybody for eternity that's just too harsh 
But that's not what the Word of God says. He does say that there is an eternal punishment. And then there's another one that says universalism, that eventually there's something like a purgatory where somebody goes over there and you're punished for a length of time and then eventually you get it and you get out and then you go on and you move on to heaven. And that's not accurate either. See, these are the, the, the false lights that are bring darkness. These false lights. It's, wow, that sounds more appealing. That sounds like a more kinder, gentler God. But that's not what the Bible teaches. And that's not what Jesus teaches either. So we have to realize that this is the ultimate truth. And he's revealed it through his word. Jesus did. And we, like how we'd give homage to a good father. Or a father who knows that he, that we know that he has our best interest. That we want to listen to his word and do it in accordance with that. Amen? just want to read this. Uh, this is chapter 3 of Galatians. It says, O foolish, Gal- foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed amongst you as crucified? only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit that you are now being made perfect in the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore... Know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So this jumps back to the original father of faith, that God spoke a truth to Abraham and says, Leave the country that you're in and go walk by faith, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal myself to you progressively. And these, as I said a few weeks ago, he said he went outside and looked at the stars of the sky in multitude, masses of stars. And he says, your seed is going to be like those stars in the sky. And this was the work that God had intended. It's a work of faith, us receiving it by faith, accepting it in faith, and walking in faith. We receive the Spirit by that. Are we so foolish that when we got born again by faith that we're going to continue on in the flesh. But we go in the Spirit. We ask the Holy Spirit's power to help us. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So you do, do not do it, uh, the things that you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Amen. Thank you, Lord.